You're listening to the Ecological Podcast, all about our positive partnerships with horses and other animals through work and play. Your hosts are Rebecca Bayliss from Little Green Stables and Kate Blackmore from Ecological Positive Partnerships. Today we're recording our podcast in a completely different setting to the norm. So it is an evening. We never ever record in the evening. We always record in the morning. And I'm about my third or fourth glass down of wine, and Kate's halfway through. So um, it's been an interesting week. I have felt rather pooped this week with a lot of personal stuff happening, which is quite interesting because it links to the topic, because I spent most of yesterday in A&E with my mum, who had a four. And I feel rather sleep deprived. And she's okay. Yes, Just she's to let fine. everybody know yes, she's, she's okay. <laughs> so yes. nothing broken. CT scan, x-rays, you know, eight hours in A&E, twiddling my thumbs. <laughs> um, but she's fine. Watching shufflers. I won't go into that. <laughs> but she's absolutely <laughs> what fine. shufflers? Shufflers. Wow, no, I can't oh, say no. it. Oh, no, it's a bit but, <laughs> <laughs> just, just, okay, you know, I you can know, imagine the window of the world. Yes, when you sit there in the window of the world and you think, "Gosh, there's a lot of shufflers." <laughs> 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 I'm quite glad I'm not one of them. Um, but we're home now and we're fine. But this wine is very much needed, and I missed. So I was, and Kate, both, both me and Kate were booked on to see this fantastic seminar. Yes. I can't remember his name. So, his his name name is Dr. (laughs) Joe J. Batone, or Batone, I don't know. Batone? Batone. So, you know how we love to massacre a name on this (laughs) podcast. We do. Dr. Joe J. Batone. Batone. He's American. Batone. It sounds sounds like... American. Yeah, it does. It sounds like... Well, we've now got him down as... Dr. Joe J. Batoni of the American <laughs> Mafia. <laughs> Sorry if you're listening. But it was to a it was a sleep deprivation yeah, webinar. So, so it was a webinar that was holded um, holded was yeah. being held. You're only quarter of a glass down by EBTA, which is the Equine Behaviour and Training Association that do loads of loads of okay. really cool stuff. Maisie is a part of EBTA. Yep, as well she is. um so they do fantastic stuff and so they had a podcast uh a, not a podcast oh my god a webinar a webinar yeah. on sleep deprivation sleep deprivation <laughs> i really haven't drunk that much it's because it's the evening no. it's the end of the day I know, we're all like, frazzled <laughs> we need our sleep sleep deprivation and it was a review of over 400 cases of sleep deprivation so in horses i was super excited to uh, me too. be attending yeah. this webinar and then of course my mum has a four and I'm like part of me obviously obviously the majority of me <laughs> it's like oh my mum oh my mum and then a little part of me is like oh I'm going to miss that <laughs> yeah. this is so frustrating and so it was recorded it so was you... which is good because I wasn't able to make it either no it was a ticketed event yes. so you had to pay to attend yes and then it was um, recorded and sent out to the people that had paid. So yes. I was really grateful for that because obviously I would have missed it. But I have... To, so this is the day after and it's been a manic day, Today, obviously. Yeah. And I've barely caught up, so I don't really know what we're going to talk about. Well, I watched it. It took me... All of today to watch. It was two hours long and it took me all of today because my son... <laughs> 
was very demanding today. And then everybody was in, everybody wanted something. So I kept having to pause it. And I was like, oh my God, this is so good. <laughs> Go away, everyone. But it's summer holiday. So, you know, that's how life is. But this was fascinating. And there was something in particular that came up that I was just like, oh my God, like, what? This is all new, new, new stuff. Mm. So, so this guy, Dr. Jay Batoni, is is he's not a behaviorist or anything, but he is a um, he specializes in sleep and sleep with horses. And he throughout the years since like eighty one, he's been seeing cases of mm. of horse sleep deprivation. Did he have a a personal case? Was it? it yeah, I it think was... I think he. I you know, there's a lot, maybe people are, are watching it and I can't get away with just blagging it. I don't know. <laughs> I think it was a personal case. I think he was presented with a horse and, and I think that that's what drove him on. We saw lots of videos of different horses um, in showing various sleep de- deprivation behaviours and it was so interesting and amazing and I just I loved it. So I'm going to tell you something that I... So we need to do a little bit of a update on newest information available so i have always said along with many many other behaviorists and stuff so we have always been taught that a horse can only achieve its rem sleep when in lateral recumbency that's when it's laid completely flat out like a rum does that a lot yeah okay mm-hmm. and the whilst it's drowsing idling or sternal recumbency when it's up on its sternum yeah they're not getting and, their and sleep. we covered this in our yeah, sleep, I know. in our podcast when we talked about sleep we didn't we didn't go into massive we did go into detail about sleep but it wasn't a sleep podcast it was about the knees the of knees the horse. of the yeah. horse yeah so yeah. we did touch on this and i remember talking about the sternal circumbency and i remember talking about the laying flat out because rum lays flat out a lot yeah yeah. And so, okay, so yeah, I had to go back to everybody at Conquest that I have taught <laughs> and gone, hang on a minute, there's new research out and this is going on because, you know, things do change. And we always mm. have this conversation, don't we? Say, right now, we think we're doing the right training in the right way mm. and we understand the mm. right thing, but that could all change. It could be in 20 years, we'd be like, oh God, those awful people, Kate and Becky, listen to their podcast talking about <laughs> leather well, training. I was, I was just about to say, well, I hope that's the case, but now, no, no, yeah. I don't. But what I hope is that we're always evolving yeah exactly and that exactly. we're always unpicking and that we're always striving to be the best we can be so so yeah let's explore this okay so so this whole rem sleep thing so from the case studies and from the invest scientific investigations that they've done about sleep in horses mm. turns out when a horse is laid flat on its side there is only a 20% chance that that horse is having its REM sleep, is actually having its short wave sleep. You know, the bit wow. before, yeah. But in the so short wave sleep is getting prepper, prepper, yeah, it's like prepping the pain, yeah. for REM. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So you don't, cons- that REM, remember that's when we consolidate the information, we get rid of all the debris, all of the crappy that's information when our, we don't need um slots get consolidated yeah yeah exactly learn exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly so so in sternal recumbency now <clears throat> when a horse is in sternal recumbency and it's got it's like nose we'll have to put a picture up on of, of this of a horse mm. doing it but when they cut they kind of tuck their nose in with their legs kind of into their Flanders belly that a lot. yeah or they'll lay with their their nose just on the touching the ground mm-hmm. that is a hundred percent rem sleep 
they found. Wow. Yeah. So I'm just like, whoa, that just blows apart everything that I thought <laughs> now I was looking at things, so which I know a lot of other people are saying that we're on this call were just like it the same as me. Just like what? This is <sighs> this is blowing everything out. But So they're tucked. They're, they're tucked, tucked under. Yeah. And then so the nose is like, fetal position. Do you think? Um, a, a sort of kind, position. yeah, kind of, and I think it makes sense from an evolutionary point of view because that's more uncomfortable to sleep like that, right? Than completely laid out. So tucked up is more uncomfortable. Yeah. So I think I mean I'm totally guessing now, but if if you're in um, REM sleep, you know it's a lot harder to get woken up from that. But your reactions could be quicker getting up from that than they could from completely laying out flat. Yeah. See, because you just got to—they've just got to put their legs up and yeah. their hind legs up. I see step. what you mean. I'm just trying to think about it from my perspective, from a human sleeping. So, I sleep. I uh, I like we. I have a preferred side to sleep on, which I think most um, yeah, yeah. humans do, and I would presume most horses do, and I think most dogs do. I certainly see my. I certainly see the horses sleeping on one side more than the other, as in flat out on their left mm -hmm. or flat out on their right, and I see the same with the horses. So I prefer to sleep on my right, I'm, I'm, but I'm left-handed. I don't think that's got a, a preference, but I'm just saying it. But I sleep tucked up. I sleep on my right, Do you? And I like... That's going to be bad when we share a bed. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but I like, bum to bum. I, yeah, I like to be tucked up. I have my hands under my yeah. head and I have my, I'm, I am tucked up. I mean, I guess human therapists would say that's like um, a fetal position. Yeah, it's like a reassurance thing, right? But is that not the same for the horses? I mean, I don't know. I'm just I don't know. They didn't, they didn't go into that. But I would say for you, being like that, it's that congruency thing. I'm just mm. theorising yeah, here. Yeah. So this... Position, the fetal position, which is a massive position in yoga as well, actually. Not okay. on the side, but you do like a, a kind of fetal position. Um, and because it mimics when you were in the womb, so you're getting that feedback, physiological feedback from your body through your vagus nerve, going to your oh. brain, I am safe. That's what I would presume. Oh, well, see, that does that not make Polyvagal sense? theory. Does that not make sense? Yeah, so it might make sense. Should we go and... Shall I email Dr... Yeah, I think we should. And say, we've cracked this. <laughs> Your years of... <laughs> we've sorted it, don't worry. It's a glass... It's a bottle of wine down, but we've got it. So... <laughs> so this is really, really interesting because, like I said, it's kind of changed everything. Yeah. The way that I see things and the because... way that I've... Because then... You think about that and you think about medical conditions. So you think about ulcers, think about arthritis, um, stuff like that. To get into that position to sleep, you can't do that. You can't you don't want to lay on your belly no, if you've got a but, load of ulcers. No, you, you don't want to But also we've always thought that the flat out I know. was sleep. So I see Rum flat out. I've got a recording of him listening to hypnotherapy. Yeah, I remember if that. If you remember. Yeah. Which was amazing and, and fantastic. And, and from a friend of mine who's a hypnotherapist, 
well, it's his therapist's husband, who's a hypnotherapist, and um, he would lay down, and he would literally lay flat out the video, and his teeth are go, you know, his little lips going, and his legs are going, and he's in that sleep, and we just assumed it was REM. Well, we're going to talk about that leg moving and stuff like that. Well, there is a chance that it was REM, because there's a 20% chance that, well, they're laid out, that yeah. they are, they do do because some REM sleep. Because the other watching... Yeah, so, yeah, so yeah. We were all so that's him. yeah. So that's something we're going to go on to because okay. that's a really important aspect. So but, let's but just we, talk. Yeah, can I just say? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> we just assume that that flat out is sleep. That's because what, what sleep, we learnt. <laughs> that's yeah. what we were taught. That's what everybody teaches. But actually, as a human, that's not the case, is it? We don't lay. When you, I've just said to you, I sleep like a curl ball. Yeah. That's when I sleep, but I don't lay flat out like a. Like no, a jellyfish. But some people might. <laughs> the jellyfish of the world. Okay. So let's yeah, talk on. let's talk a little bit about um sleep and kind of how it works. Because uh the when we sleep, what happens is kind of like the brain and the body disconnect. They disassociate. So that's why we don't move. So sleepwalkers, it's something going wrong with that whole um, disconnect. So your brain literally kind of like disconnects from your body. It doesn't literally disconnect from your body, yeah. but the, the process is disconnect so that you can sleep without moving your body. Okay, okay. that's quite amazing. Okay. Yeah. So also they refer to REM sleep as paradoxical sleep as well, which is okay. um, what A they were talking word. about. Yeah, yeah. So, so... Why I found this so interesting is, and I know I've talked about this before, but a case that I saw many years ago with a narcoleptic pony that was going to be put down because was, of narcolepsy. That, one that we saw. Yeah, that we, we saw, saw together. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it. they have proven that narcolepsy is, is really not in the horse world but yet vets will diagnose horses with having narcolepsy. Okay. But we kind of know that that is, it. no one understands it. And also it's, it's like so extremely rare that um, a lot of the cases are seen. It's just kind of, sometimes, I'm going to say it now, it's, it's kind of like an easy diagnosis, right? Mm. So you just go, oh, it's got mm. narcolepsy. Like if, if you can't think... Yeah, if you, don't, if you don't understand it, then it's quite easy to say that. But usually 90% of the sleep disorders are like emotional, due to emotional or physical discomfort. Mm. Okay. That's huge, isn't it? Yeah, it's massive. Um, so, so yeah, so we've got the, we've got the sternal with nose tucked in um, and the feet tucked in. So that's, you know, their REM sleep. Um, so it's, interesting because there can be lots of things that can affect sleep disorders and there's also a window of time that sleep disorders you can start seeing seeing sleep deprivation behaviors now let's talk about sleep deprivation behaviors just quickly now mm. so they can be stuff like um um you know when a horse has laminitis and it's always going back it's on rocking. its feet? It's rocking. Yeah. Like yeah. that, but it's a solid rock, mm. so they're always down. There was one of the horses we saw, feet out in front, head in the middle, like head on the floor, like a downward dog position. Mm. So that's also another one. Just being, um, you know, tied up, just 
going to fall asleep and stuff like that. Mm. Like just going to sleep in, um, like in abnormal situations, in situations that it doesn't make sense yeah. for them to be going to I've sleep seen, in. I've seen videos and pictures of horses, or videos of horses, where they look completely comfortable... And then it looks like some. It looks like they've been shot. Yeah, yeah. And and, and they haven't. Yeah. They're just dropping. Yeah. So exactly. that's pretty horrendous. And um, yeah, I I've seen horses that are kind of rocking on their fours, like you say, with the whole laminitis thing. Yeah. And they're rocking on their fours, but they're in a trance almost. So it's so with laminitics, it's normally a. Uh, a real I need to get this you comfort. can see the pain yeah as well, you can dominant. yeah you I need to get this comfort I need to readjust my footing um but with other horses with these issues it's a kind of um uh, I'm I'm zoning out and I just yeah it's really yeah. fascinating so um I've just, I'm looking through my notes here because I wrote it all down today. But so narcolepsy is defined as the inappropriate frequency and onset of REM sleep. So we know people that humans um, mm. have narcolepsy, but no one has ever accounted for narcolepsy in a horse. Um, and there's also something called idiopathic hypersomnia, mm -hmm. which this is just a sideline. But this is where some people, like they have irregular sleep patterns mm. and they can sleep 20 to 22 hours a day. Mm -hmm. Right, so they've got the body of a forty-year-old, but the brain of a five-year-old, because they haven't developed. That's crazy, isn't it? Isn't that? And that's extremely rare too. But isn't that crazy? And does that's that happen in horses? Or we no, don't, we no, don't know. I don't think so. No. Um, so Ooh. there are some kind of reasons why horses might be showing mm. these behaviours, mm. and what they found is usually it's two weeks to a month after whatever the incident was that's caused this sleep disruption behaviour, sleep deprivation, mm. um, it will show up two weeks to a month afterwards. So this is really interesting because I was listening to a podcast with Amber Batson, Dr. Amber Batson, yes. who's from Understanding, Understanding Animals? Understand she is Animals. amazing. She is amazing. And we will have her on a podcast soon. I'm yeah. sure we will yes. be interviewing her. No, I used to work with her yeah, no, when really, she first really qualified. So she's I will, I will bag that. <laughs> but she is amazing. So, so she was on a podcast. It was, it was about dogs, but she was talking about sleep, and this was before this um, webinar and before I knew about this webinar. I was listening to this podcast. So there was, um, and I, I really don't like going into the whole scientific experiments as. We know, but there was, uh, she was talking about sleep deprivation in dogs and in puppies and in adult dogs and saying that puppies, and so puppies will survive longer without food than they will without sleep. Mm. So they will die earlier from sleep deprivation than they will from hunger. Yeah. And that just was like, oh... That is so hard to hear and, and awful. Yeah. And the same with an adult dog. So, so she, obviously, she's on a, a, a big welfare committee. She, she's, um, she's involved in a lot of court proceedings with people that are, you know, the, the, the courts are involved with the cases. 
and the animals have been food deprived and those animals will be okay for like 11 days to 20 days without food but without sleep they will not be okay and I know they're a completely different animal no, and I know this, you're going to go through well, this that. This is something that surprised me with the what he said about horses because I'm like, whoa, this kind of goes against everything that I've learned and been taught. It's one of those moments where you do a webinar and you think, wow, I really, like, there's so much to learn out there. You never know everything. There's no, always and, new and stuff coming out. and that's amazing that we're evolving and we're adapting. But so I think it's he, so important to, to learn that sleep deprivation is is almost... It's 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 more important than food. Well, he didn't talk about food, but horses, according to this webinar, is can go up to two weeks to one month without REM sleep, without and, seeing those that? abnormal so, deprivation. So I watched the, a part of this. I haven't finished the webinar, but I've watched a part of this webinar, and I know why. So, oh, do you? Do you not? Did you not? watch that bit so no we, i don't know. so because because they are prey animals so he put them in groups didn't he so we did the possum the oh yes i remember the, the possum and the koala yeah and the can and the platypus mm-hmm. interestingly all australian animals i don't know whether yeah that's no why. i remember yeah i saw that and that was a bracket and then he had the human and the primate that was a bracket and then he had the giraffe and the horse and the elephant and that was a bracket yes so the REM sleep decreased from each category so you had the possum koala and platypus their their REM sleep was huge yeah it was like eight seven hours yeah but he said it's all about why we sleep and the reason why we sleep is to do with sex Sex and food and food of course Now, don't we all want to live in that Sleep, world? sex, food. Brilliant. Repeat. Repeat. Sleep, sex, food. Repeat. Sleep, sleep, sex, food. <laughs> Can you do that really quickly? No. With a little no. rave tune? Um, anyway, so that is why. And the reason why the possum, the platypus, and the koala are so successful is because their predators yeah. are non-existent. Yeah. So they don't need to worry. So they sleep for so long, wake up, have sex, eat go back to sleep because their predators are non-existent kind of makes you think if I was to be an animal what would I you think be? I'd be a koala yeah because <laughs> koala's got it made man I'd have to be a platypus because I could swim I know but I'd have like flippers well koalas don't they kind of get high <laughs> I know. I would totally do that. <laughs> I'd be a koala <laughs> okay so, so so horses uh, in this webinar, I'm saying 0.5, like half an hour, 15 minutes to half an hour of REM sleep a day. A day. But that doesn't have they to all be achieved. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. have to be achieved in 24 hours, so it can be carried mm. over. So I guess they'll kind of. So they talk about like pregnant mares when they're really, really like near to um, giving birth. Yeah. They can't lay down. They're so big. It's so uncomfortable yeah. to lay down. So so what they'll do is they won't have that sleep. But as soon as they feel like their foal is safe and everything's okay they will then sleep for like three hours yeah and get all their sleep then so they can bank it yeah which, which is I amazing would be, yeah I know I'd love to be able to I, do that I, and that is really clever from an evolutionary point of view and, and that goes back to that evolutionary point of view because their horses are migratory animals so they travel long distances 
just because we keep them in grass cells doesn't mean that they've lost that. They are they are there to, you know, the mare it's goes in their find, genes. Yeah, it's finds in their, the water. Yeah. They're, they're, they're migrationary. So, mm. so it's obvious that they can carry that sleep forward which is an amazing ability mm. so again it's sh- it's a shout out to the to the horse and a and a like come on guys let's you know look at what we're doing in the way we keep them so yeah so interesting that, that sex and eating and also eating so important because a lot of animals don't need to eat for the amount of time that the horse needs to eat so we don't yeah. need to, we're not grazers the, the I am dogs, a grazer I'm well, not I am, <laughs> I eat all the time and my dogs would like to think that they are grazers but they're not they're meal eaters mm. you know generally mm. and I suppose we look at the horse and we think well you are a grazer you're not a meal eater so you're a grazer you're a migration animal you know if you put all that into context it makes complete sense yeah, doesn't it absolutely. and then you have the social side which i'm sure you know you're going to go into yeah absolutely so yeah so this kind of uh, circadian rhythm that we've always talked about that animals have you know like we have we go to sleep at night and we wake up in the day and like every kind of species has their own circadian rhythm i guess it's kind of gone out the window a little bit. <laughs> so we're not quite sure where we're at with that after this webinar. So we've still got to think about that. But that's really interesting. Because do you know what? I was thinking about this this week. And I was thinking about... I was wondering if one of the reasons why people stable horses overnight is because they might think that that's when they sleep. Oh, God, definitely. Yeah. And it's so completely wrong. I, I know lots of people that tuck them up in bed. Yeah, they tuck them up and they actually think that, oh, right, well, I'm putting you to bed, so you're just yeah. going to sleep now, and yeah. don't realise that they're actually not going to do that at all, yeah. and they're just going to no, stand up. No, I think that, that, that that's definitely a given, people think that. Yeah. So another thing is um, that geldings are more affected by sleep disorders than mares. Now, mares come a bit later into this, are starting to play a pivotal role. We want mares. <laughs> Turns out we want mares. <laughs> I know, and I'm so not a mare. No, you aren't. <laughs> Just saying, but you want a mare. I've got a mare now, but yeah. I don't think she's a pivotal mare. But she's not, not yet. But that's because of her history. Hmm. But is it that I, I, I mean, I, I haven't so watched the in, whole thing, but I've, I, yeah. In feral populations, what happens is, so you have the lead mare that takes them to the water. They've got the most experience. Mm. You know, we've talked about that on other podcasts. It's not this stallion driving everyone around. It's the lead mare. It's followship. They know when's the best time to go to that waterhole. They know where that is. Usually, their yeah. their grandmother was the lead mare and stuff. When they sleep, when the lead mare sleeps. No one else sleeps. No. They all she's like stay the queen out. Bee, yeah, so they all stay looking out. They only yeah. get their sleep when she's not asleep yeah. as well. So the mare plays a really pivotal role, it seems, mm. in sleep deprivation. And actually, one of the videos that we saw, his recommendation to them was like, you need to get a mare in. And it completely solved everything. It was a gelding, wasn't it? Yeah. Who yeah. Um, was really struggling with. He was quite, what do they call it, um, uh, aggression? Yeah, so it Something. was called um, 
I've got it written down. Aggressive dis aggression displacement. That's right. That's it. Which I found really interesting. And um, he was aggressive to the herd. He was aggressive to his rider. I mean, he was he was beaten down, wasn't he, by the by, by the owner? But um, yeah, it, it, wasn't it, it wasn't very nice. But he was an aggressive, seen as an aggressive horse, and um, the the outcome was that he was in a herd of geldings and he was then moved home into a the herd, neighbor the neighbor who the had a eight-year-old neighbor yeah and she had a mare in her group a very aggressive herd, mare yeah who beat beat the, him down beat the crap out of him for 24 hours and then he was as happy as Larry. Mm -hmm. He led down, he slept, and that was the first time anybody had seen him. And it was almost, they, they, the, the doctor, what was his face? I shouldn't say. <laughs> Batoni. Batoni said that he had replaced the role of the lead man. Yeah. And he, it wasn't his responsibility. And that's and one, of the, one of the things that he went on to say as well. You know, this aggression displacement is a stress behaviour, which we mm -hmm. often see, you know, is... Um, we'll talk about that in a minute, actually. I want to go a bit more into detail about that. But um, the, the, within sleep, there's a hormonal regulation. So yeah. then we think about geldings when we're castrating them so there was a marked difference in sleep patterns between um horses that were gelded you know really young compared to horses that were gelded old um more older older, I would say older. <laughs> now um, i i uh, so i have watched this in chapters over the last 24 hours in bits like you like you have because you've been home caring <laughs> But um, I didn't. I stopped there because I didn't get any further, and I really want to because obviously Run was castrated at three, which is considered quite late. Yeah. And I wondered whether that has. I mean, he is. He he isn't a. Well, I don't know. But I don't the know thing is, I but Rum. Rum doesn't show any sleep deprivation. No, he doesn't. Behaviors. No, the opposite. All, yeah. He's constantly bloody asleep. <laughs> <laughs> but. What's interesting is that there was a, and I don't know whether because I didn't listen to any more, but I felt like there was a leniency to castrating younger. And I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing because we are desexing these animals. We are taking yeah. away um, their... I guess it's which point of view you're looking at it from. So from a sleep point of view... Yes, it's better to castrate earlier, but then from like a growth and maybe behavioural perspective, yeah. later is better, you know. So it all depends on which it, angle you're going from. And it's very hard to like, you know, it's, it's hard to decide well, what I the mean, best it, thing is you, to do. Look at the dog world and that's a real hot debate. You know, I've got clients. So I recently went to see a dog who's nine. He's had spinal surgery. His spine is like a glockenspiel. Honestly, I, I was it was quite amazing to to feel and palpate him because I've never had a, a, a dog that's felt like it. And um he's entire and his younger um housemate is entire too. That that's a dog, not not the human. <laughs> Although I think the human's entire. <laughs> I didn't ask. Um and I found it quite 
strange because I don't see many nine-year-old dogs that are entire. No, no. It's, it's quite rare because well, quite often they are castrated at a younger age and it depends on who you talk to as to their opinion so you'll get some vets that are like oh six months yeah. some vets that are 12 months let them grow some are 18 months some are two years some some old school vets are don't ever castrate them but then there's that testicular cancer kind of mm. and i don't know what the within the equine world it's so different there's so many schools of thought and there's so many schools of thought on so many different things so this webinar becky that we you know that we're like wow this is crazy a lot of people may just go no don't no i don't believe that that's bullshit blah blah blah, blah. because that's not their school of thought it's just everybody's different and it's it's hard actually as an owner to know which is the best way to go with things i mean obviously ours is the best way but <laughs> But, but castration, yeah, but, it's a really difficult one. Well, it's a mishmash of stuff. <laughs> Having fun. Yeah. Um, Brian, what do you think about castration? So Becky's husband is is very lovingly making um, pizza dough next to us. He is. <laughs> He's lovely. Out of a pizza dough shaped bosom. Yeah. Probably because we're talking about castration and it's yeah. probably quite stressful for him. <laughs> And drinking, and drinking beer. <laughs> so, okay, so that's, that's, um, yeah, that was... Sorry. Sorry, no, you've just, it's just that you do this to me and then you take so me So I off. just want to know whether I did the right thing about castrating my stallion. Well, but, I don't know is the answer to that. No, and I, I don't, don't think know. you'll ever know, but as because long as... we don't as, have two runs, do we? No, exactly, but I think as long as... In your mind, you've done the best you can by that horse with the best intention, then that's fine. As long as your intention is good that you've and you've looked into different opinions, which you always do, mm. and make a kind of valued assessment, that's all you can do. That's all any of us can do. I know. And I, 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 I kind of want to go to that, but, <laughs> but I kind of also agree that, you know, I'm bringing. <laughs> I'm, I'm bringing rum into a human world, so you know it's it is what it is, isn't it? Yeah, you're helping We've done him. It. Yeah, We've done exactly. It. You We're know, he's he's, no does, he's not he's not Australian. He's he is a gelding, and and that's the way it goes. But yeah. I just it was interesting that the ratio of geldings was so high. I know. So right. So when we were looking at um, the sleep deprivation behaviours and the causes, so physical discomfort is like number one. Mm -hmm. um, pregnancy being a part of that mm. obviously then you've got monotony so boredom yeah. so boredom and stable blah, blah, blah. um or even they had a case of a horse that was tacked up right mm. and then it was tied up mm. and then it was just like falling asleep like on the sign up because it was just bored it was just stood there for so long because i think it was going to a competition it was tacked up at like i don't know 4 a.m or something like that mm. and it was just left and so that ended up um, becoming a behaviour. There is also um, sleep terrors, which we'll talk about in a minute, which you wouldn't have seen, which was so interesting. Mm. So you need to watch that bit. Um, Lyme's disease. Oh, now I have um, thought about this. I've had a couple of horses with Lyme's disease. Yeah. Well, mm. yeah. That's Aggression, displacement. So it's like in geldings, you saw 49 and one 
of those behaviours in mares. In oh. sleep terrors, 22 were in gelding, 17 in mares. Um, and then you've got environmental insecurity, for example, a paddock near a forest. So you've got 95 for geldings and only six mares showing so that behaviour. So why do you think the... The difference is mares to geldings. Do you think it's because... I think it's maybe to do with the hormonal regulation. The, yeah, and the lead mare thing. And the lead mare, and, yeah. And the fact that we separate the sexes quite Yeah, I think we manage the horses so much yeah. that it just... So we do. We, I keep... Fuck it up I a keep, bit. <laughs> I keep... I have a boy band. I like my boy band. Yeah. but And maybe I shouldn't. No, well, maybe you need to... Well, I've got Smudge, mm. but she's not a lead mare. But... Maybe she will be. Yeah. But you, but you see what I mean. Is people in general they will go well. I don't mix. Yeah. But of course that's going to have an influence on them. I mean, I know that you know we have bachelor bands, but mm. still there is the natal bands kind of close by. It's not like there's no. You know yeah. they would pick up from that regulation. Surely, it's like they. It's a good woman to kind of go oi. Stop your shit. Yeah. <laughs> Get in line. Like Aretha Franklin. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, let me just talk about physical discomfort. So, reasons why they cannot lay down. Yeah. So, arthritis. Yeah. Yeah. Ulcers. Yeah. Front leg scars. If you've got really bad scars on the front legs, okay. it, it, isn't, well, it doesn't front stretch. Legs chuck yeah. On the first. yeah. Cervical structure as well can you know if you've got things like i don't know kissing spine and stuff like that could affect it i guess um so that's like the number one thing that you want to check out if you're getting any sleep deprivation behaviors then we have two is boredom so this is where i kind of got a little bit confused so i'm, I'm going to say the next three and then tell you my thoughts on it so we have number two which is boredom number three is environmental and security where they refuse to lay down um so maybe if they've been in a herd and suddenly they're alone they've been taken to a new place and they have no herd or something like that or um like i said like the example of the person with a forest the horse with a forest beside it there were deer in that forest yeah a deer in that forest yeah that, and that's why that horse was alone going oh, is that gonna kill me yeah you know? yeah so is that and then we have aggression displacement which is the stress behaviors now aggression displacement that that um that label confuses me a little bit because and i need to look more into this because for me what it looks like is um the faint behavior in donkeys which he didn't mention so donkeys oh, have and that's a shame because we weren't there live I know because if you I would were, have asked about that yeah. Said, yeah so there's fight flight freeze and fiddle about we know the four yeah. f's in horses but donkeys have one more which is faint okay yeah so in horses what this looks like and it can be akin to that learned helplessness so what you do is you put the tack, we saw the video of a one horse, you put the tack on this horse and it's like falling down. Yeah. Because it's the immediate response. But what's interesting, it isn't a choice. So it isn't like the horse going, oh, I'm going to have tacks on, I'm going to go and lay down. It's a physiological response. So yeah. it's the body just goes, bang, look, bang. Yeah. And it's like a survival thing, play dead. Yeah. You know, so that it's literally like a play dead behaviour. So that... Um, and that's what they thought he was saying about um, foals. So the fell ponies, 
that's what there's particularly interesting with fells they seem to have this sleep deprivation Mm. behavior when they're foals so as soon as you take them not all of them away from their mothers they fall down into this yeah i saw a little bit of this so there's a percentage of and it's interesting that it's breed specific yeah which i find fascinating so it's breed specific to fells, but it has been seen in other breeds, but not in a measurable yeah. amount. So it's a, Icelandics, yes, I think is yeah. what they were saying. It's a measurable amount. So basically, and I, see, I saw this the other day on a wildlife program with a gazelle, which I thought, and, and the narrator, it was one of those real cheesy American, <laughs> sorry American <laughs> listeners, but it was one of those cheesy American pop, um, wildlife things where this um, cheetah was chasing a gazelle and it caught the gazelle and the gazelle just plain dead, completely yeah, dead. Yeah, And then the cheetah just went, oh, that's game over. Well, Got it's kind of like that, away. yeah, to go and get something yeah. else. And, and the gazelle waited. It was literally like... 10, 9, 8, 7, 5. And then got up and bounced away, nothing wrong with it. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. And then what do you say? Two weeks later, I'm watching this webinar, although I haven't got through it all, and he's talking about the same thing in in foals, but with fells and with specific breeds. So it's it's not breed specific, but there is a higher percentage of fells yeah, that, that they do see this, this thing yeah. so what, what I found really interesting and a bit disturbing because we're obviously animal welfare like led was that the humans were kind of manipulating the foals so they had their hands all over the foals which wasn't particularly nice to see. well they put their hands on the, the head like the the, the face the yeah. face didn't they and to get them away and From then the they would just like collapse and the, yeah and then the foals would collapse and like die and yeah. you thought the foals were dead and then they the, the human would walk away and literally the foal looked completely lifeless nothing yeah. and they even they even lifted up the eyelid didn't yeah, they and, and, yeah. and, and, the, and it was all the whites of the eye there was the nothing there and they walked away and then a few seconds later, the foal literally sprung to life and off it went to its mum. And and they showed multiple examples of that. Yeah, absolutely. And, but, it, but, but they didn't show it just in fells, although they said it was very fell dominant. It, it, yeah, they're just but, an interesting but breed, But they've they? seen it in Appaloosas, they've seen it in Highlands... Not Islands, Icelandic. Icelandic. They've seen yeah. it in other breeds, but not. It's it's consistent with fells. Yeah, absolutely. Is, I and wonder whether fell breeders say that. Yeah, I bet they don't advertise that. Well, they grow out of it, though. They do grow, so out, they grow out of it. it. Yeah. And how fascinating is it? And how amazing is that? I mean, I'd. Love I mean, to it's a very. I'd love to play dead. I know. Yeah, it's a <laughs> very the housework. <laughs> it's a very good adaptive behavior isn't it it's fantastic yeah. i see the hoover but, yeah so yeah. he was like it's akin to like tonic immobility is what they were saying in this so yeah now just tonic that... inability so yeah so i logged off fairly after fairly shortly after tonic inability and i was like what the hell so tonic in, in it was when everything just go 
you just fall. But why do they call it tonic inability? Do you know what? what? I think mean? it actually comes from, I'm guessing, being someone that has worked in the therapy field, we have, you know, epilepsy. Hypotonic. We have, we have yeah. different forms of yeah. epilepsy. Right. So we have um, what they used to call chronic tonic which is grand mal, which is like when you, you have a oh, fit grandma. and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I'm thinking tonic immobility is actually part of that. You have a free, I think it's that you have a deja vu and then you have, um, there's like seven stages of it. And I think it's kind of like, for me, it's linked to that. So tonic immobility is when nothing works, that like you can't move anything, but you okay. are conscious. Okay. So... They talked about the fainting goat, which I don't know about the fainting goat. So maybe that's the same thing as the fainting donkey. I don't know. But okay. it is a, fi- a yeah, really so fast physiological donkey. response to an, something aversive. So you can put a saddle on, the horse lays down and just... And you it, and that is like learned helplessness as well, you know. It's People huge, do, yeah. yeah. And it's really, really sad to see and it's really awful. And but, you see that But what's donkeys? awful is that people do that and then they'll go and ride them. And I you're know. like, what the like this this particular horse yeah, so he was he was tacked up and he was doing the downward dog and like collapsing and she would ride get on him, him around yeah. him yeah and then wonder why it wasn't a very good ride and then hate him for, <laughs> yeah, know, for his exactly. personality i know poor Bizarre. thing so so i'm i'm a little bit kind of you know i'm interested in that side of it but obviously i can mm-hmm. ask any questions but we'll find out more about that but also they then went on to night terrors yeah i didn't see this so okay i'm gonna just define what a night terror is because i didn't really know so this is in humans um in a medical journal this is the definition so patients bolt upright with eyes wide open fear and panic on their face usually sweat individuals are likely to have an even more elaborate motor activity such as thrashing of limbs there is a sense that the individual is trying to protect themselves and or escape from a possible threat which can lead to physical injury of the individual so we then saw some videos of horses having night terrors which was just kind of like mind-blowing and it took me to something that I want to ask you about. So I'll tell you a bit about these horses and then I've got a question okay. for you. So, horses in the stable at night and it's laying down, trying to go to sleep, trying to go to sleep. It lays out completely flat and then the legs are bashing, the hinds are like bashing, bashing back and forth. We've all seen that actually with horses. You know, sometimes they kind of... Yeah. But this was like major, major like they're bashing. running. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this was like more. And then all of a sudden they wake up, they jump up to their feet and they're spinning around because they're so stressed out and, okay. and worried about something. So that is also another thing that horses can experience. And what they did, um, and actually, interesting enough, PPID can have an influence on on night terrors as well. Um, and you know, with this, they were like, just put a mare in there, <laughs> sort it out. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Just, mares are, you know, underestimated Women. in their Women in general. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so then that got me thinking about my dog, Dottie, my little gorgeous Dottie. And you know when you see a dog sleeping and they're all like yeah. and chasing something? Is that a night... What is that? Is that a night terror? Is that something bad? Should, should we be waking them up from that or not? I, I would say it depends. 
Um, I don't know, but I would say that sometimes they're enjoying it, surely. Is that not the same as us? Well, apparently, with night terrors, you never remember what really? it was about. Yeah. With a night terror? And the night terror is when they say that there's something gone wrong. You know, I was saying how the mind disassociates from the body. Yeah. It's something that's kind of gone wrong with that mechanism, I but think. But you remember a nightmare, don't you? You remember nightmare, but I think night terrors are very different. So, yeah, it's... Um, mm. Yeah. Really, Does that it not make really it worse, almost? Because you don't remember, but you have the feeling... Do you have a feeling of the night terror, but you don't remember what it's about? Yeah, something like because you end up awake. Yeah, up, so it like, bobs you it's awake. It's a bit like, oh my god, what just happened? Like, but you don't remember. No, you can't piece yeah. it together. Yeah, and the horses experience that too. Well, if is... the horses experience it, then I presume most animals, mammals, do. Yeah, like I think. I mean, I. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah, so that was another thing that they went into, which was so interesting and, and really sad really we're, we're, sad because oh yeah and what people the thing is is that if you've got your horse out during the day and you've got them stabled overnight and you know we were talking about this earlier isn't it that you know you have you live you've got them but you don't live with them mm-hmm. so you come home and you just presume that they're sleeping but actually like get cameras up watch your horse it'd be really interesting to see because lack of sleep affects performance you know i always say this like sleep you can attribute any behavior like a behavior um, trying to learn a new dressage move and the horse not picking up on it properly to a lack of sleep and a lack Mm. of rem sleep and stuff like that so it is super duper important but it's not just important for well-being like oh i want to make my horse because you know some people that's not enough performance it affects performance as well you have a better performing horse if it is achieving that sleep i I think what's interesting is that you've been wanting to talk about sleep for a long time i remember when we did the eight needs of the horse and we got to sleep and you were like this is just so important and we need Mm -hmm. to do a podcast just about this and we've been you've been saying it for weeks since going we need to do the sleep podcast we need to do the sleep podcast Mm. And then this talk has come up, and then it's been like, right, well, now we really... <laughs> yeah, well, now it's just thrown we, everything we out the window. Well, uh, interestingly, and, he would talked about racehorses as well, and he was saying that, you know... And so at Conquest, we have a horse that... Um, a pony that sleeps a lot. Mm. And I've always been kind of taught, you need to be wary of that, because it could be like, medical reasons or whatever so I'm always really interesting and observe it and stuff and uh, kind of after watching this podcast it's really made me think more about this because this Dr. Batoni was saying you know there's lots of racehorses and stuff that will lay down all the time because they have been brought up in that environment Mm. they feel safe and they're used to it Mm. Um, and that kind of really took me aback because everything that I teach mm. is like, this is how the horse is. This yeah. is how it should be, blah, blah. But actually, it really does depend on the individual. It mm. really does. How they've been bought, how they were weaned, how mm. they were... All that stuff is so inherently important. We can't just apply these kind of like 
blanket. black and white blanket things like, oh, horse has got to sleep for this long. And this is what, it just doesn't quite work like no, that. No, it doesn't. And I think that that's a really amazing um, point. But also, you, if we think about us as human beings, you know, are we, are we made to live in concrete and stone and flagstone flooring, laminate flooring? Are we supposed to have plastic machines that wash our clothes? You, you think about how we've evolved. We don't live how we are made to live. And how much stress related uh, mental health problems there Yes, are but also how successful are we? So you can look yeah. at it from a downside and you can look at it from a positive. But are, yeah, but then so, I go, are we successful? <laughs> because Yeah, but are we, but aren't we? We are what we are. And I think that that is where you have to have to base it. Yeah. So, so the horse, the modern horse, is not the feral horse. It's not the horse from a thousand years ago. It's not the horse from a 500 years ago. It's not the horse from a hundred years ago. The modern horse is the modern horse. The modern horse is here to serve the human it has been but for hundreds yes, of years. Yes, but you say that, but actually, if you look at it on an evolutionary scale, right, yeah. 64 million years ago, you have uh, the Eohippus, you have, you know, the, mm-hmm. the kind of ancestor of the horse. And really, when you look at that timeline from 64 million years ago to that timeline of, you know, the last couple of thousand mm-hmm. years of domestication, mm-hmm. we have managed to change, uh, you know, colours, size, all that kind of stuff temperament, warm blood, all that. But actually, behaviour is something that's relatively remained unchanged because when you look at it on a scale, it's a tiny, tiny mm. amount that they have do, been in domestication. It, They've had to adapt to domestication yeah, and the demands that we put on them. Yeah. It's like but us. It's like, you know, if, if we you, were... Yeah, if you do the same to us, though, we haven't. It was the only industrial revolution that has made us shift... The way we are. Before that, we yeah. were definitely hunter-gatherers. So we are still very early on in our evolution. And I think that we kind of missed that point. So, you know, it, it's... It, it's a, We all want the horse to be the horse. But we can't always provide the horse with that world. No. And it doesn't mean to say that it isn't unsuccessful. Just like we can't... I can't provide... I would love to be a hunter-gatherer living in a farm. You know, you know, yeah. you know. But in the grand scheme of things, it's not going to happen. Doesn't mean to say I don't thrive and strive and move forward. And it's the same with the horse. And I think we have to adapt that knowledge and be realistic with the constraints and the work that we've got around us with those animals that we work with absolutely and that is why I am all about compromise like everything that I do it has to be about compromise because it's great ideal world be like this but it's it's not like that there's no ideal world exactly it's irrelevant it's almost like we need to look at um you know stop maybe looking at it for so long ago, go, right, this is our environment. How do we best adapt mm. stuff to suit the horse for that environment? But how can we make the horse resilient and, and happy with us? Mm. You know, and that's when enrichment comes in and all that kind of yeah, stuff. That's absolutely. why it's so important. And you're striving at Conquest and I am striving at home. What was really interesting was I had a conversation with Trudy this week. So, you know, you've got Rum who... 
He has. He lives in a mixed herd. So he lives in a predominantly gelding, boy band yeah. herd. Um, but then we brought the female in, the mare in. And that did cause issues. There's no doubt about it. It caused um, ripples in that herd environment. She's definitely not lead mare. She's not, she's not a leader in that group. But she is a mare with, within five geldings. So he is one of those... He's the youngest... Or, yeah, he's the youngest of six in his herd. He has nine acres to roam. He has hedgerows. He has concrete. He has field. He has school. He has shade. He has shelter. He has water. He has food. He has forage. So I think, going down that tick list of everything... He's got everything ticked. There's everything is... And he all... does positive reinforcement, yeah. which is amazing. So all his boxes are ticked, yeah? However, you put him in a school environment. So when, I, when it's a training environment, I take him out of that herd, which he seems really happy to do because he seeks out human. I see a pressure because... He's isolated, and he's like, "Well, you're my human. I'm, I, I'm, I'm going to perform." So, what's really interesting? Yeah. So, what's really interesting is you put that against a a horse that is stabled twelve hours out of twenty four. That human comes in, they do what they want. They don't really the the, the horse doesn't really take any notice. You know, the 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 human goes out. The horse is is twelve hours stay the same. Then is twelve hours he goes for turnout. But for rum, the human comes in. Then it's attention. Mm-hmm. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So it means a completely different thing. Yeah. And so there's a stressor even in that. So there's me providing every bloody thing I can. <laughs> And it's still not right. Because there's a when a human arrives, that human's for me. Yeah. Yeah? So it's it's a it's a mindfuck, the but, whole you thing. Know, but then humans you can be that companion for your horse. Like it's yeah, not as can. great as other horses, but you can be that that one that you know, with rum, he feels confident with you. He's in confident going out and investigating oh, things because yeah. you're his person. He sees you as his companion, yeah. and he slept. He lay down with you there, so mm. he feels safe because you're on watch. Yeah, yeah. So there's like because of the training and because of the way that you work with him, you have that relationship. Even though it's, I totally get what you're saying, but there is also a you know, I know I'm always saying horses should be with other horses, but there's a big place for relationship, human oh, horse relationships ma- and, and filling and, those gaps. You know, and Rum was poorly for a couple of weeks and was in isolation. And when I say isolation, he had the yard, the school, the garden. So he wasn't in a he wasn't in a cell. Yeah. Um, the other horses were in two fields away from him. He could see them, but he couldn't get to them. And there was a, a a no man's land in between them because we didn't know whether he was infectious. And do you know what he were he he was as good as gold. Yeah. He was fine. He he didn't he didn't. Um, there was no pacing. There was no stressing. He, I mean, he was poorly. So let you but know, we he's have to used to that. Remember you that. Build but, that resilience in him. You but, have, you, and that's really important to do, so that when mm, we do take him out mm, 
and he goes away and he doesn't have his mm. friends around, he needs to be okay to be able yeah. to deal with that. Yeah. And you've done that, so you should like take that as a total like well done me. Well, well done him. But and well done you. Well, okay, but I, I, I see where it, it can, you know, that whole horsey relationship thing. But it's, yeah. it's, it's really important to recognise that there are some horses that need horses more than other horses. And that's all to do with history and the way they've been brought yeah. every individuality. Into, yeah, exactly. So we can talk about, you know, on the podcast, we talk about things that are your general you know, ethoses, ethi, ethosi. I don't know. <laughs> Ethoses and stuff. I don't know. But you can talk about stuff like that, but actually it is, like, they're all individuals. And they it's are. Just, I'd never met a horse, I, you know, with training, I've never met a horse that go, oh, well, I taught it that way, so I'm going to... It never... If I try to do it that way with another horse, it, it generally no. doesn't end up working the same way. Like, you have to be so adaptive yeah. for them. And I think that's reflected in the sleep, the, the sleep webinar, is that so many of these cases were behavioural, environmental, physical, so many span different genres and, and different areas and different aspects. And it was a, I need to finish it, don't I? You do, you need to see the videos of the night terrors because that was really interesting. Really um, interesting. Scary. I don't know if they're doing another one. I know that they're doing one for vets, but oh, I is he doing one for vets? Yes, is he... I believe so. I think I saw that. So, um, but you know, Ooh. it was great. So well done, Ebta. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I'm pretty sure they're not called Ebta. E B T A. Ebta. I like to call them Ebta. Yes, good. But well I done. Like good talk. That yeah, was, it was excellent. A great talk. Yeah, really good. And we will re <laughs> readdress and talk about. What are we going to talk about next? Oh, we're going to talk about social, social media. media. And we're over that an hour. That actually deserves a glass of wine, that podcast. We're going to do it on your birthday, aren't we? Oh, are we go- oh, oh, yeah, but that'll be in the morning. You won't be able to get pissed. We're going to have Buck's Fizz and oh, make okay. videos. Oh, we'll, okay. We'll talk about... Not with horses. So <laughs> drunk. Not drunk training. No, <laughs> no not drunk training. We're going to make some enrichment stuff, yeah. like videos. And we can and, talk about social media. And maybe it would be a good time to talk about social media because that's something that's quite at the forefront at the moment for us, isn't it? Well, for me, anyway, so... Yeah, I, I don't give them monkeys, but you... But I do. Yeah, you do. <laughs> so, yeah, let's talk about social media. <laughs> and uh, that was a bit of a Trump voice. And... Um, <laughs> OK, and now it's all going downhill. <laughs> if you'd like to make contact with either Kate or myself, you can contact us via Facebook. We are Little Green Stables or Ecological Positive Partnerships, or you can check me out, Becky, on my website, www.littlegreenstables.com. We'd really like to make our podcast interactive, so if you have any questions or anything you'd like us to discuss, then that would be great. So send us a message, either via our website or via our Facebook, Instagram and YouTube channels. Thanks. Bye-bye.